Welcome to Understand Suicide, the podcast of journalist and therapist Paola Fontanelli. Since her father's suicide in 2005, Paola has dedicated her life to breaking the silence around this most stigmatized of subjects. Her book, Understanding Suicide, Living with Loss, Paths to Prevention, was nominated for the National Book Award in Brazil, and the English edition is now available on Amazon. Hello, thank you for listening to my podcast. Today I'm going to do something different. I'm going to dedicate this episode to Mark. Mark contacted me a few weeks ago through my website, understandsuicide.com, and he was telling me about the story of his son Marcus, who died by suicide two years ago. And he asked me, he was actually asking me, to do a podcast on PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, because he was thinking that maybe his wife, his daughter, and him who are still struggling, which is absolutely normal, they were thinking that maybe they had some of the symptoms. So this is for you, Mark, and I hope this helps clarify and answer some of your questions, and I hope it does help your family as well. And today, our guest, it was very easy to know who I would interview for this episode because she works with me at ICE, which is Innovative Counseling Enterprises here in Portland, Oregon. Thank you so much, Casey. Van Houten, Mm -hmm. it's a different name. (laughs) I had to ask her a few times how to say the name right. And she specializes in trauma treatment. She treats uh, sex offenders at ICE with me. So, and I'm sure our boss, David, will be very proud to listen to this this episode. I'll make sure I'll send him the recording when we finish. So let's start by maybe, uh, let's talk a little bit about grief and maybe the differences between grief and PTSD. I'm sure this is very common Mm -hmm. with survivors because we have this misconception of phases of grief that's so popular. Mm -hmm. And I hear this all the time from people talking to me and say, well, maybe this is wrong. I'm doing something wrong. I'm not going through this phase and that phase. And this is actually what Mark asked me. How can you know and identify whether or not it's a little bit more than grief? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is like the prolonged like kind of experience. Because I know like especially with Western society and our grief kind of cycles, it's different Mm -hmm. than other cultures. Um, But definitely that time piece, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, It's hard to tell like what's normal when it comes to grief or like is this trauma or is this like impacting my functioning in every day and I think that if it's like an overarching time where you like feel like you're frozen in that time that's mm-hmm. where it needs to get looked at more mm-hmm. yes and and that's what we also call prolonged grief or mm-hmm. complicated grief yeah. and one thing that's important to know is that grief and grief by suicide is a traumatic event mm-hmm. and trauma can lead to PTSD, right? Right, it can, yes. So we all experience like trauma and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to develop PTSD, but it can lead to that. And even witnessing, even learning about um, a family member dying by suicide can be um, a symptom 
of mm-hmm. PTSD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how can we know? What are the major symptoms? And just before we start, I just want to say we're not advocating self-diagnosis right. here. Of course, that's <laughs> very important. But we just we just want to help clarify a few things. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is like identifying a stressor or a traumatic event, um, such as experiencing, witnessing, or learning about that. And then there are four realms of symptoms, essentially, within mm-hmm. PTSD. The first one being re-experiencing that event. So you hear about, like, nightmares, flashbacks, um, just intrusive memories, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you have the feeling that it's happening again. Mm-hmm. You can't yes. really tell the difference. Right. So it, it can be that dissociative piece, as like with the flashbacks especially, that happens. Mm-hmm. And it can also just be memories that are coming in mm-hmm. as well. The next kind of realm after re-experiencing is avoiding. So you're avoiding. That's a big one. Yes. And which is like a normal part of it because you don't want to be near things that are causing you distress. Um, But if you're doing like you're avoiding family members that you want to spend a lot of time with, you're avoiding like things that you enjoy doing, that's where it's becoming an issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I was just thinking about this person who wrote to me he had the uh, added trauma of seeing his son, mm-hmm. and his son was at home. So yeah. in a way, they're always re-experiencing mm-hmm. too, because that's where he was. Right. You're like in that trauma. You're mm-hmm. in the time all, always, um, which can be, I think, especially hard for people to be like, okay, is this trauma or is it just because I'm like in this field? Um like, so I work with a lot of people who were in prison, so they're like, I can't tell if it was a traumatic experience or if I was like, just constantly in that, like, that sensitive time with that fight mm-hmm. or flight kind of response. Mm-hmm. So, so what else should we, should we pay attention yes. to? So we have avoid, so re-experiencing avoidance, then you have arousal. Um, so this could be hypervigilance, mm-hmm. um, irritative, sleep disturbance, anger. So just like behavioral arousal. Mm-hmm. But then again, it has to do with time because many of these symptoms, or we mm-hmm. call them symptoms, you feel that too when you go through grief. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yes. it's, it's more intensity and the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the fourth one would be the negative cognition piece. So you ha- you are experiencing a very negative feeling about yourself mm-hmm. or the world around you. And again, that's that time piece as well. So this could happen immediately after. A lot of like the screening tools used for PTSD recommend waiting like three to four weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's also delayed onset, which can happen. The symptoms can start happening six months after Uh the traumatic events. So even that can happen Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about diagnosis? You just mentioned screening tools. Mm -hmm. How do you diagnose and how do you know uh, whether or not you should go see a mental health professional? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, especially with screening tools, is not using them as a diagnosis. If you are doing self-reports, um, there's a lot of like self-report screening tools online, such as the the TSQ, the Trauma Screening Questionnaire, or like the PCL5, which is the probably the most um, widely used one because it's like this 20-question um, self-report thing so if you score like high on that you should probably go see someone doesn't necessarily you're mean you're experiencing ptsd 
the best way to know is through like a structured clinical interview. Mm -hmm. And how does it happen? Let's say Mark comes to you and tells you the story of losing his son Mm -hmm. and it's been two years. He comes in to talk to you. How would you run that session? Mm -hmm. Can you just give walk walk us through it? How it would look like? So I would do, I would use probably the PCL5 um, if you can identify that that stressor and then if he does score high on that like talking about like okay so how has your life been like that before and how has your life been different after um is your functionality being called into question are you not able to do things you used to be able to do um are you having these intrusive kind of memories is there any sort of avoidance and then are you noticing like any sleep disturbance or anything so just making sure like in regard, because we have to use the DSM mm-hmm. to be able yes. to diagnose this Can you, this can you just explain what the DSM is? Yeah, so the DSM is um, the Diagnostic Statistic Manual, um, where we keep all of our kind of mental health um, illnesses, disorders kind mm-hmm. of there, so that way we're better able to diagnose in order to better treat. So there is a certain uh, criteria that mm-hmm. you, you have, have to, to meet follow. a certain you criteria. Have to meet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about... Um, what about PTSD and other mental health problems? Because that's an issue too, right? Yes. You can have, for example, depression and PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so PTSD is kind of like one of the biggest comorbid diagnoses. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think the DSM says 80% of people who are diagnosed with PTSD are going to be diagnosed with another mental health disorder, mm-hmm. such as depression, anxiety, and substance use disorders. Because PTSD necessarily doesn't necessarily mean it's a psychological issue when it comes to trauma. It's more of a brain issue. Mm -hmm. Because your brain is not functioning the same way. Can you just explain that part a little bit? Yeah. Why why is it a brain issue? Yeah, so I think when people hear the word trauma, they're like, oh, I'm too weak, I can't handle this. When it doesn't necessarily mean it's a character issue or a psychological issue, it's there's three main parts of your brain that are communicating during trauma. Mm -hmm. You have your amygdala, which is like your alarm system of like fight or flight so that stress response and then it goes into the hippocampus where we keep our memories Mm -hmm. and where we're learning like is this safe is this dangerous Mm -hmm. and then you have the big guy the prefrontal cortex which is involved in like learning behaviors and your cognition so all three of those are kind of like communicating during a traumatic experience and if there is any sort of huge trauma and your brain kind of gets frozen and that time gets stuck Mm-hmm. And it's not able to communicate. So there's parts of it where they're like, I just can't process this. Mm-hmm. So that's in, all these areas are impacted mm-hmm. with PTSD. Yes. And how do you treat PTSD? Mm-hmm. What is the is there a major kind of treatment, like a main one, or do you have many options? Does it depend on? There are a few options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's um, trauma therapy. Essentially, you're just trying to move from the place of distress to a place of healing and that can be done Mm -hmm. through like traditional psychotherapy talk therapy Mm -hmm. that can work for some especially if so we talked about the four realms earlier especially if that neurocognitive piece like you feel like you're a bad person so those those core beliefs have changed you can kind of get through that with neuro like just like psych psychotherapy psychotherapy Mm -hmm. talk therapy talk therapy yeah how does that help it can help, especially if you're somebody who needs to talk about things or processing or hasn't had a place to talk about it. That can really help mm-hmm. you get to a place where you can move past it. Mm-hmm. Can we just go back a little bit to the mm-hmm. other uh, mental health issues? For example, depression. Yeah. The relationship. Is it, co- is it right to say that it was caused by the PTSD? 
It, that kind of depends on, like, were you experiencing depression before? Were you um, having symptoms related to depression before all of this happened? If so, it wouldn't necessarily be related. Because, mm-hmm. like, again, that PTSD, it starts the minute you're experiencing a traumatic event. And that mm-hmm. event could be a vast majority of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about family? Because I'm thinking now about Mark's family. Yeah. and. What would you say to a family who goes through something like that? Is that important that all the family gets in treatment? If it's impacting them, absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there's like normal responses to grief mm-hmm. and loss, right? Mm-hmm. Normal or yeah. typical responses typical, to grief yeah. and just like moving through that. But when there's a family movement, like family unit that has been impacted like that, it can be so vital to be in treatment because sometimes we do need help to get to a place of healing. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. Yes, and with suicide, mm-hmm. many times I've I've heard this a few times too, that families it's so hard to be together in times yeah. like that because the, they interpret differently. Was mm-hmm. it suicide? One believes it was. The mm-hmm. other one has a hard time believing. So it can really take a toll right. on the family. Mm-hmm. So then you have like those social systems as well being like impacted. Mm-hmm. So and especially when it comes to to grief, I mean, there's so many misconceptions when oh, it yeah. comes to grief. Mm-hmm. Right? What do you usually see with grief? Yeah, um, I think I think at the basis of every trauma is loss, loss of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a grief process with almost everything that we're experiencing. But I think the biggest thing is just feeling like those negative things, like it's my fault or I could have done something or, and I think since it's heavily tied to memory as well, that hippocampus that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you're feeling like you have a loss of that memory now. Mm-hmm. Like you don't remember some aspects and you might feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can happen, like it can pop up out of nowhere. There's no necessarily like external cue that we're like, oh, why am I feeling like sad all of a sudden? It can be the littlest thing. Yeah, and, and all of this makes you feel like you're going crazy or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned memory because it, it just took me back to, for, me, for a long time, I couldn't remember if I had been to my dad's funeral. Yeah. How weird is that? And, mm-hmm. I, and I remember, so my, did I go to the, I just couldn't remember. Yeah. And that I just want the listeners to know, those who are survivors, that's very normal for mm-hmm. to happen. It does affect the memory. Yeah, absolutely. It's a hev- like one of the most heavily impacted thing, I believe. Really? It's just like not like not being like you hear things like, oh, I can't even remember what they look like anymore mm, or yeah. I can't remember their favorite color, like all these things that if that person was around, you'd be able to remember. So that feeling of like guilt, like how could I forget that? And you mm-hmm. put that on yourself. If you want more information about suicide, my book is now available on Amazon, both in paperback and digital formats. Just type in the title, Understanding Suicide, or my name, Paula Fontinelli. The book was written for people like you, and it's the result of more than 10 years of conversations with families who lost loved ones to suicide, individuals who attempted suicide, specialists, and mental health professionals. Thank you for your support. Now back to the interview. Would you would you say that the fam is it what is the best way for a family to get treated? Was would it be individually each one of them, mm-hmm. or would it be family treatment? Yeah, I believe that I think individually 
would be the best place to start because they're all experiencing trauma in a different way mm-hmm. and experiencing their the events in a different way. And then once that's kind of done and they've done their own sort of self-healing, bringing that unit in together uh-huh. and like talking about their experiences through through family therapy. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, uh, specifically PTSD, can you walk us through the types of treatment? Yeah. So I'm really biased since I... <laughs> of course. Right. Since I That's do your EMDR. Thing. Oh, just so, yes. just so our listeners know, she's the go-to mm-hmm. at where we work. Every every time we have a question about trauma or PTSD, it's, oh, let's call Casey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I do EMDR, which means eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Mm-hmm. Um so essentially, we're trying to move the place of distress to a place of healing using some sort of thing that makes your the bilateral stimulation in your brain be be accessed because it is, like I said earlier, that brain issue. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of like flooding or exposure therapy when it comes to um, trauma therapy, but with EMDR, you're just like having a memory. We're focusing on a memory Mm -hmm. and then like a negative thought that you have around that memory and processing through that using this like eight phase kind of model. Mm -hmm. And we're really trying to access both sides of your brain in order to get it to be able to process that. Therefore, if a stress response is to occur, your fight, flight or freeze kind of system isn't going to be impacted as greatly. Mm -hmm. So not deleting the memory, which a lot of people are worried that, oh, if we do this, I'm not going to remember the event. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a worry? Yes, a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the most impactful therapy sessions I had was with an adolescent, a seventeen-year-old female who found her father mm-hmm. um, after his suicide, and like she was so afraid of losing that, like she didn't want to lose that memory for whatever reason, whatever that meant to her. And we're not necessarily trying to lose that memory, but losing kind of what you think about yourself in regards mm-hmm. to that memory, kind of changing that and shifting it. And also just um, making sure your stress response is still intact when mm-hmm. it comes to those kinds of memories. So it's yeah. not impacting you. Okay. You you mentioned this 17-year-old and it reminded yeah. me of this girl that I talked to me. And she it was something she had never shared with anyone. Because, again, there's so much shame mm-hmm. when it comes to suicide. And she was telling me that she was, a, she was 10 years old when her father suicided. Mm-hmm. And he did it in front of her. Wow. And she she blacked out. Mm-hmm. She she didn't actually she doesn't have any memory of what happened and she said the only thing I remember was just me looking at him turning around like nothing happened and leaving. And I could never remember that moment. She just blacked there was zero memory of mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. And until today she doesn't. She just remembers turning around and she felt so ashamed because said, I just left yeah, and I just left him. Yeah. So she didn't realize that that was just too much for a child. Right. Of course. The natural defense mechanism of the brain. Yeah, and you cannot course. comprehend that right now. No, especially when mm-hmm. you're 10 years old. Right. So EMDR, that's what we talked about, right? Yes. What else? What um, else can they find out there if they if they need treatment? Mm-hmm. So the flooding. So that like... What is flooding? So like essentially exposure. Mm-hmm. It's part of an exposure therapy. So you have in vivo exposure therapy where you are doing the exposure therapy in the office. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a system, systemic, systematic desensitization where you're like constantly bringing things that remind you and remind you more of it, remind you more of the traumatic event until you no longer feel unsafe, which is one of the underlying causes of trauma or fear. So slowly you're being slowly, desensitized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And how can how can the person know which treatment will work best for him or for her? Uh, just kind of by trying things and like knowing, okay, exposure therapy isn't going to be necessary in this situation, or I don't think that would be beneficial for me. Uh, EMDR is one of the Sometimes most... Sometimes it's just too early, It's right? just too early, and um, <clears throat> it just can seem kind of weird, like I'm just going to flood myself with this thing. Yeah, the word is not a good no. word. No. It just doesn't right. sound very good. Right. I have to say and this. Right? Flooding, mm-hmm. and with what? Flooding, expose, exposure <laughs> yeah. therapy. And it's scary. I mean, yeah. once our natural response is to run away from mm-hmm. it, right? And yeah. Like, when, when you talk about exposure, you go, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people like EMDR so much, because... You don't necessarily have to talk about the traumatic event. Oh, I see. Um, you can talk about a thought that you have about it. You don't have to say anything. And I've noticed that since I work primarily with men mm-hmm. um, who don't believe or societally don't believe mm-hmm. that therapy is going to work for them, they can sit there and we can talk about like a thought that they have about it or a memory or I can ask them where they feel it in their body. So, mm-hmm. so again, that mind-body kind of connection that we have with trauma and then go ahead and start using whatever I'm doing to cause bilateral stimulation. So just search for, should they search for a counselor or a therapist that specializes in trauma? Mm -hmm. trauma Yes, trauma-informed treatment, it would be the best bet. Yeah, Mm -hmm. okay. Can we talk about a cure when we're talking about PTSD? Mm -hmm. I believe all trauma can be healed because, again, it's that brain issue, right? So once you're able to process and kind of I hate the term like move on, but mm-hmm. or like move past it, but at yes. least be able Almost to talk, it. right? Yeah. Just go through it, give it time, um, all these things, which again is this construct that we mm-hmm. created. But I think yeah. like just being able to talk about it without it like hurting, it can hurt, right? But without it like impacting us, like so afterwards we can't do anything or like those kinds of triggers that were getting us before are no longer an issue. We're sleeping better. Nightmares aren't, as prevalent, there is a cure. There mm-hmm. can be healing from trauma. So that that would that would look like cure for mm-hmm. PTSD mm-hmm. and for trauma yeah. in general. Yeah. So better functioning. Absolutely better functioning. Relationships are very mm-hmm. important too. Right. The social systems, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we do tend to isolate, I think, mm-hmm. especially with suicide because no one yeah. wants to talk about it. No. It's such a taboo. Very taboo. Okay, so can a person get better without treatment? Because the tendency, the normal tendency is to avoid, right? Right. But avoidance can be one of the symptoms, Mm -hmm. right, of PTSD. Yeah, and I think if it's impacting you in such a way where you Mm -hmm. cannot work anymore, you're calling into work, or you can no longer be around certain people, then you're going to need a little bit of help. And it doesn't necessarily, like I was saying earlier, mean there's anything wrong with you. You just need to kind of rewire your brain, mm-hmm. right? But it would be very, very hard and difficult to get through PTSD without any sort of treatment or therapy. So it doesn't go away. It's not one of those things that goes away with No, I would say it's time. very severe and persistent. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's comorbid and it comes oh, yeah. with other diseases too. Mm-hmm. What else do you do? Do you remember anything that we haven't covered that's important, especially if it's related to grief? I can't think of anything. No. Yeah. How about is it ever too late for no, treatment? No, no, never too late. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like sometimes mm-hmm. these symptoms don't show up until later, and sometimes you're not ready, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. To be able to talk about it, but there is a place for healing 
and it can mm-hmm. be like some of the most empowering like feeling ever mm-hmm. to be able to move past that. And sometimes you don't even know like that some of the symptoms you're experiencing is associated with with a memory or oh, anything really? like that. So, for instance, can you give an example? Yes, I had a client who learned that his brother committed suicide while he was in uh, in prison, mm-hmm. and um, he was all all of a sudden got sad and. Um, angry, lots of anger. And when he got out, kind of the same same things were happening, but then he started having more nightmares. He started avoiding his family without really knowing why, even though he just got out. Um, And then through the process of EMDR, he was able to pinpoint that it could have been because of his brother's death and his suicide. Um, Okay, because he wanted to avoid talking to his family about it? He was avoiding his family. He was getting angry those like self-regulatory acts he wasn't being able to manage as it like he was before uh, he was having depression before he went into prison so that wasn't necessarily a comorbid kind of diagnosis but really that even learning about that can, can cause ptsd mm-hmm. well okay casey thank you so much yes. for being here mm-hmm. and sharing your knowledge with us yeah <laughs> and mark i do hope this helps you and your family and it takes you to a place of healing yeah i hope it's mm-hmm. it's been helpful and it's been helpful for those who are survivors as well right it's never too late definitely no, talk to someone no. yes, talk to someone nothing wrong yeah no suicide is a tough one it's one mm-hmm. of the most stigmatized of all subjects yeah. for sure mm-hmm. But we can, and this is what this podcast is about. Let's just yeah. open the discussion, the dialogue, and let's break the stigma. Yeah. Thank you. Good on you for doing this. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Understand Suicide, the podcast of journalist and therapist Paula Fontanelli. If you've been touched by suicide and believe your story might help others, please consider contacting Paula through her website, understandsuicide.com.